parable of the Good Samaritan, which we have just heard read in our second lesson, is one of the most familiar stories that we likely know. Almost every member of our society will know that being a Good Samaritan is a universal value, a universal virtue. We are all meant to be good neighbors, compassionate servants, one of another, and most especially of the outcast, of the one who has no natural claim upon our affections. Now this is all true, and we ought to rejoice that a story so central to our Christian narrative has retained such pride of place in the cultural memory of our world. Yet, as is so often the case, there is much more to this parable than is dreamt of in our philosophy. For the parable is much more than a fable from which we can extract a simple moral to remind ourselves of the central tenets, tenets of humanism. This is a simple account of reality, says an early Christian author. That is, it tells us the central realities that underlie and explain the human condition, so that, as he continues, if we meditate deeply upon it, it will confirm to us certain wondrous mysteries. And what are these mysteries? Hear what he says. Jericho is a figure of this world to which Adam, cast forth from paradise, the heavenly Jerusalem, because of sin, descended. That is, he descended from the things of eternal life to the things of this world. He who through no change of place, but change of will, had brought exile upon himself and his posterity. For he was far changed from that Adam who had lived in untroubled blessedness when he descended to earthly sinfulness and fell among robbers. And he would not have fallen among them had he not exposed himself to them through turning away from God and from what God had laid down for him. This is the first and the most fundamental reality expressed by our parable, that our human condition is fundamentally an experience of exile, of longing for a life of untroubled blessedness that we remember only in our experience of it as lost. Moreover, even when we come to ourselves and discover the things of eternal life that would give meaning, coherence, and joy to our existence, we must contend with the painful realization that, as St. Paul says, the desire of the flesh is against the spirit, and the spirit is against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that we cannot do the things that we wish to do. We cannot recover the things that belong to our joy, our fulfillment, because our wills are divided against themselves. For what we would do, that we do not but what we hate, that we do. We wish to bring forth the fruits of the Spirit against which there is no law, in the fulfilling of which, that is to say, we discover our perfect freedom. But we see another law in our members, 
warring against the law of our mind and bringing us into captivity to the law of sin, which is in our members. So if we are honest, we will see in the self-justifying lawyer our very selves. And if we have the courage truly to acknowledge our state and to acknowledge our Lord as the one from whom we have turned, as the one in whom alone we can find blessedness, then we shall cry with that same lawyer, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And the answer is, you must fulfill the law. You must love God with all that you are and your neighbor as yourself. You must have compassion on your neighbor, go to where she is, bind up her wounds, pour in oil and wine and set her on your own beast, and bring her to an inn and take care of her. Okay, we think, I can do that. But can we? For what have we just seen? We have seen that the wounding that must be bound up and healed is the wound of our very nature. So go and do thou likewise. Bind up your neighbor's very humanity. Go to where he is. Enter his very substance. Bind up his wounds. Remake and reunify his will. Order it rightly. Pour in wine and oil. Anoint him with the oil of kingship and priesthood so that he may rule over himself and offer righteous sacrifices unto God. Set him on your own beast. Take him within your own body so that you may give him the gift of your own mobility. That is what it means to go and do likewise. Yet how can we do this? For I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin. The works of the flesh are manifest in me, and they who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And if I cannot inherit the kingdom of God myself, how can I return my neighbor to the kingdom? Well, for ourselves, surely we know the answer. We must put on Christ, be made members of Christ. We must die to ourselves and live to him, for they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections. For Christ has had compassion on us, has come to where we are by taking our nature upon himself. He has bound up our wounds with his holy sacraments, pouring in the medicines that are himself, the oil of unction, of baptism and confirmation, and the wine of new life in the sacrament of the altar. He has set us upon his own beast, he has made us members of his own body so that in him we might travel back to the homeland from which we have experienced exile. He has taken us to the inn that is his church, placed us in the care of his apostolic priesthood and given for our sustenance the two denarii, the two testaments of our scriptures and he will come to bring us home when he has become all in all. But 
Go and do thou likewise. How can this be? How can I save my neighbor who cannot even save myself? Well, the point really is this, that the pattern of mercy is really the incarnate Son of God himself, the divine word and wisdom of God, who became human so that we might become God. It is only when God's wisdom becomes our neighbor that we can become neighbors to others. For in truth, it is that word and wisdom who becomes their neighbor through us. We are bidden to go and do likewise, to do as the Good Samaritan has done. But it is really the Good Samaritan who will be doing for our neighbor the same thing he has always and already done for us, though now he will be doing it for them through us. The Christian life is Jesus Christ's own life as he lives it in us, his members. May he grow in us, may he become all in all in us, that through us he may give his life to our neighbors our fellow travelers on the road to the new Jerusalem, which is himself. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.